Hello, everybody. It is September 28, 2002. My name is Quinn, and this is Weekly Manga Recap. I am your host, and I am usually joined by my co-host, Nick. Uh, however, uh, I am joined this week by the extra special Austin Yorsky of Dice Funk fame. Hello, Austin. Hello. How extra special do I need to be? I feel like I can be special, but extra special in this economy? <laughs> I don't know. It's well, asking a lot. <laughs> your labor is a resource, and you should be willing to just give as much as you're willing to give. Um, but I will tell you to amp it up a little bit if I feel like you're phoning it in. So you're like, this isn't the fucking amateur league. I need you to really put <laughs> yeah. your bussy into this. <laughs> Everyone came out to see this. Austin, you can't talk about your bussy, or else uh, the internet credits will start asking you about it again. <laughs> Yeah, it's become so much of my brand. I think you and a number of other people sent me this fucking story about some bus being named Bussy recently. And I was like, it's like you. It's like you. I don't believe I said it was like you. I just said you Bussy dropped. And then you gave me nothing. <laughs> I literally got like three of them. I want, you, I want you to know I internalized that. And I'm just like, all right, Austin doesn't like me anymore. Friendship's over. I get it. It's fine. Oh it's God. fine. Um, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, before we start, we should talk about why Nick isn't here, because uh, I want to establish something that right now, if you do not know, uh, and I think anybody outside the U.S. probably doesn't know this, uh, or people maybe just not on the East Coast, uh, I probably wouldn't know, but if I didn't have friends in Florida, but there is a very large hurricane hitting Florida right now, uh, and Nick is, of course, doing the smart thing and uh, prioritizing uh, hunkering down and sheltering over talking about Eden Zero and i envy him for his ability so uh, i want to note that uh, i do believe nick is safe as of the moment uh so no concerns about that uh we obviously this is supposed to be the sadistic september episode where we talk about get backers we'll push that into next uh week i assume uh or whenever nick is available again we will get to it essentially and maybe this episode won't end with like the spook master general showing up at a bunch of Halloween puns, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get plenty of them guys. I'll, I'll force them in. I, I might even just start doing them in, in December. You can't stop me. What are you? A There's cop? years of Spookmaster general backlog. If you're really Jones in for it, I there feel is. like there's so much content you can go back and, and really savor. Yeah. Just like, you know, Find a, a, a manga's name, Aliens Area, and put a boo in it somewhere. You get it. We'll get to it. Don't worry. We got plenty of time, babies. It's all good. If you don't know, I am born and raised in Florida as well, southwest Florida, where the, the storm currently is. I was just talking to my family. Uh, my dad says the the floodwaters are up to the top of his truck tires, but the, ha the water hasn't gotten in the cabin yet. So that's the update from my family. There is a viral video going around. I don't know if it's fake. It probably is. But of a shark swimming down the middle of the street in Fort Myers, where wow. I'm from. <laughs> so it's uh, it's bad. Like everyone I know has lost power, but no one is uh, in danger. If you're from Florida, there's a whole process. Like the week leading up to the storm, you nail wood over all your windows. There's like a whole thing you do to get ready for it. So uh, hopefully, you know, I think Nick knows the rules and he'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> he knows the rules and so do I. Um, <laughs> walked right into that one boom got him uh but we love you nick we just wanted to note that uh but austin was so very kind to join me because it was like well we could do nothing or we could do this 
Uh, but as you'll probably tell when you download this episode and you look at the length, this is going to be a dramatically shorter episode of Weekly Manga Recap for two reasons. One, we have a guest on, and I always uh, feel bad about being like, hey, Austin, could you read 14 series or however many bullshit series we decided to cover on a weekly basis? Uh, and then also, yeah, I have so much else to do. I'm a, a huge social butterfly. I've got all kinds of obligations I'm putting off you, right now. You have <laughs> two D&D podcasts that you're currently running. I mean, it's one, but there's two different campaigns going on in it, which is crazy. Thanks for the plug. Yeah, it's going great. <laughs> if people aren't being horribly maimed and killed constantly, uh, everyone loves it. <laughs> hey, I mean, only two characters or so have gone. I mean, like. Based off of what I'm gathering from social media and other mainstream D and D podcasts, you're below the curve. Like you're almost, you're almost like phoning it a little bit. Yeah, if you're if you're listening to this two years in the future, just getting up on the latest craze, weekly manga recap. Uh, we're recording slightly after the Critical Role massacre that roiled the internet. I still have no idea. Um, I only vaguely know. I guess a bunch of characters died, and I, that's all I really know. Uh, I'm actually surprised my TikToks haven't tried to explain it more to me as they felt the necessity to do recently about the try guy who cheated on his wife. I don't know what the try guys are, but I've gotten 40 videos about it through TikTok. So some algorithms like you love this, you know, you do shut up. Yeah. What did you do to make the algorithm think you were really into this YouTuber? As I said that. I looked over, I have Twitter on the back side of my one screen here. As I ha- said that, my trending topics updated to now give me the story about the Try Guys cutting ties with the guy who cheated on his wife. So I can't escape it. This is truly the new story I couldn't care less about that will follow me to the grave. It, just wait a week. There's always a new story about some Minecraft guy you've never heard of who did some kind of faux pas in the speedrunning scene. Oh, yeah. And now his team is condemning him, but accidentally said something racist. I'll try. It's like <laughs> there's always something. There's new. always. Yeah. So we're going to talk about a couple series this week. Just a handful, just six series. I know some of you out there will be like, well, what are you going to talk about? Akane Banashi and Lusa Samurai and all that sort of stuff. Uh, no, we'll talk about it next week. They weren't super exciting chapters anyway, so I tried to keep it to just the hits, baby, but also just the hits I kind of wanted to talk about. So with that said, we're going to kick things off by talking about My Hero Academia, chapter 367, Deku versus All for One. And we get a color page with an assortment of characters kind of all hanging about, which is weird because some of these characters are bad guys. It's weird they're hanging out. Um, and it's such an eclectic mix of characters that I was like, okay, these all look like characters that show up in the top 10, but I refuse to believe that Mineta has ever been considered a top 10 character. I like in my bones refuse to allow that to be a reality. Isn't he a lot more popular to Japanese audiences? I think even they are kind of like, I mean, we have a limit or something like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe this is the afterlife. Maybe this is a lost situation oh. and they're all meeting up uh, and it's just like, oh, they're all friends now and it's everyone's forgiven him for being fucking... The, these are the most important... Monster. These were the most important people in each other's lives. And Mineta. Uh, and then uh, that's it. 
And because they all died eventually, that means the whole manga took place in heaven. Yes. Uh, but no, that's <laughs> not what happened. This is also a Lost reference, and we could turn this into another Lost podcast. Austin <laughs> is iconic for bringing up uh, interesting bits during podcasts. You you once uh, described every chapter as an Elden Ring's boss. So perhaps uh, <laughs> you could describe each manga as characters from Lost. <laughs> I'm not sure I like your tone there. You're like, oh yeah, Austin's famous for this stupid bullshit. <laughs> Austin is famous for being very creative. He's such a smart boy. I feel like uh, My Hero Academia is like uh, Saeed in that it was really good for a while and then they kind of lost the plot and we're just like, I'm not sure. Let's just keep introducing characters and now it's like, oh, what was important? Fuck. Shit. Let's just start killing people off. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, that is a, a good way to describe both character Saeed and My Hero. So we open this chapter of My Hero in a flashback to finally introduce and uh, or, uh, explain what Deku saw when he was flying and something came at him in the distance. And the answer is uh, a bunch of planes that essentially are going to act as like video game like grappling hook targets for Deku to swing across. Uh, it is somebody basically saying like, hey... We're here to pick you up, grab on, Deku swing across us. We're supposed to be guarding you away, but like, we're all going to die if you don't get there. So this just feels like a better use of our time. So uh, Deku just starts swinging across on them, using them as stepping stones. And then we it's cut. like the scene in the first Garfield Spider-Man where all the cranes line up so you can swing. I, for a moment, thought, it, great reference, I thought it was Garfield the cat. <laughs> and I was like, was there a Garfield the cat Spider-Man crossover movie that I missed? Because I need to see that immediately. No, there was a Garfield strip where he grabbed onto a jet to go to Italy to get lasagna, though. Also equally iconic. Did he? Oh, my God. He's so, he's so creative. I love that cat. <laughs> There's no speed at which he will not travel to get lasagna, even if it liquefies his bones. <laughs> I love him so much. He is such a good cat. Even fictional cats are great ass cats in my mind. There truly isn't a bad one. Even like the killer cat from Pet Cemetery. That's still a good cat. When you get right down great to cat. it. Great cat. Yeah. Uh, so, Shigaraki. Church is the name of that cat. Boom. Got it. Pulled it. You didn't think I wow. had it. Wow. <laughs> I should have known. You're such a Stephen King nerd. <laughs> I yeah. bet I bet you can explain explain to me all of the lore of the fucking it monster and how it ties into the, the greater Dark Tower universe. Absolutely. It's the Deadlights, which is a, I can I can do that. What's not? That's next Mac weekly manga recap where I'll explain no. each uh series as a Stephen King story. No, but I debated you into doing it so I could take a sip of water. You can't do that to me. <laughs> I knew in the back right. of my mind. I was like, Austin has this in a snap. And I was like, time to grab myself a drink of water while Austin nerds out over this. Yeah. Pennywise isn't actually a clown. It's like a shape-shifting evil that comes back every once in a while. It's a, it's a whole thing. Yeah, he's like a mean spider. Um, So Deku shows up, cracks uh, Shigaraki across the face, and Mirio smiles because he's like, thank God, me showing my ass <laughs> actually did buy enough time for this to all work out for us. Uh, Shigaraki's just like, wait, has he gotten stronger? And there's like a glowing energy around deck. And he's like, oh, I've seen this before. Uh, recalling to one of the previous, uh, wielders. I want to say the second, but I'm not a hundred percent certain. I forget which one is which. And that's what happens when Nick isn't here. He knows all that nerd shit about this series. Uh, 
So Shigaraki goes flying, hits where the barrier is. The barrier is back up again, so it's active. And Deku lands. He's like, I'm so sorry I'm late. Are you all all right? And almost like a comedy, it like cuts to just <laughs> like a desecrated battlefield of all of his friends. <laughs> like, Everyone extremely not all right. <laughs> like it's like Bakugo de- dying dead. I don't know what you want to call it at this point. Uh, like fucking best genus just like barely holding it together. Uh, Mirko just like a limbless husk against a tree. Nedre having done nothing, but she's defeated as well because, you know, I mean, let's be honest. And Deku's just like, nah, shit. <laughs> he doesn't say that. He's actually kind of angry, but I, I, it is like very amusing to me that we go from being like, sorry, I'm late, everybody, to just everybody not 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 vibing right now they're having a rough time yeah Uh, i'm sure he's gonna need some therapy after all this he's gonna have to do a lot this poor kid's been through so much uh shigaraki starts like going like hey you got some excuse for being late oh wait never mind toga did it anyway (laughs) make that your excuse there was nothing you could do i could do i never saw it coming run from the responsibility just like they did and Deku goes like evil Super Saiyan. And uh, Shigaraki is just like, ah, yes, when you stoke this anger, it makes their moves pathetically simplistic. I'll counter him, crack his spine. Come on, do it. Uh, but then Mirio shows up and is like, it's going to be okay. Uh, which is good because uh, this was a development that I was very much not into. I think like the teen hero who is so emotionally turmoiled that they become mad beasts is a very tired trope in shonen at this point uh and they so, already did the whole arc where he got smelly we don't even get yeah. smelly again very much so uh but mirio is just like hey i get it you're feeling like you'll never live this down but that's that's what they want you to do it's okay everyone's still alive and ed shot is trying to save bakugo's life and he's going to pull it off so keep doing it nobody's giving up and this is, you know, we haven't lost anyone. Uh, we're heroes. And if heroes don't talk the talk, then who else is going to transform ideals into reality? So do you like that, Austin? And, uh, I felt it kind of deflates the drama to be like, actually, there were no consequences. Everyone's fine. Everyone's going to be fine. Uh, don't actually worry about anything. It gets kind of it's a, a deflationary move. Is what uh, I think I would call that kind of speech, even though it's supposed to be like epic and inspiring. But maybe that's too meta. I have brain poisoning from writing fiction. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's an important thing. You're you're somebody who writes fiction. Is this a scene you would write? How would you do this? Somebody's about to go evil, or or or, or mad with with emotions, and you're trying to calm them down. How do you do it? And I mean, go. part of also, the people hate you're me. Sa- also, you're southwestern in this scene, and go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. The Southwest of America, Arizonans don't really have like a distinct accent. Um, I Here's the thing. People hate me because what I would have done is I would have most of those characters be straight up stone dead right now. Like Bakako would have died and just be dead. That's the first thing. And so there would already be consequences. And then the speech would be about like overcoming the sadness and anger, but not being like, actually, everything is fine. None of that mattered. You could have skipped here from 10 chapters ago. Um, But that's also, you know, that makes readers mad. People are like, why'd you kill my favorite character? Uh You wouldn't know anything about that. 
King Badass. I've never. I don't think I've ever killed a character, so I don't know what you're talking about. I only uh, ri- I only write happy stories with good endings. I was gonna spoil a different season. I, I shifted at the last second there. I don't know if you can tell why I said a different character's name, but it's happened multiple times. In my in my defense, King Badass lives until the very end, so that's just a good thing. That's an epilogue ending. That's fine. You can't judge me for that. Yeah. So with, without spoiling our you had to buy the DVD to get that ending. You know, you don't even know, normally get it. Uh. Do you like the speech though? You thought this was uh, what do you think about this chapter? Like, not much actually happens. Happens. He just kind of shows up and gets caught up on what's going on. I, I don't mind it. I like that Mirio's doing it. It does kind of give importance to what Mirio is supposed to represent in this series as this sort of beacon of hope that he is likely going to be sort of like one of the next big heroes to be honest he probably should be the next big hero in this series because deku absolutely should retire after this this kid has been through too much he should not be a superhero anymore he's, he's been through far too much so i like Lemillion and mirio getting that sort of uh point it is a little bit of a weird speech though yeah i don't have any problem with the character who delivered it. i i like Lemillion. i think uh i like the art in this chapter a lot so my my criticism is really just coming from a kind of selfish like if i were the writer here's what i would have done <laughs> which is like no i'm gonna no, i'm narcissistic. gonna I, i'm gonna ask you that for every chapter we talk about this week austin oh. if you were the writer how would you handle this <laughs> uh because you're better than all these people so that's oh no look what you've done now go check out dice funk on podbean.com slash austin yorski and on itunes and all those places uh and compare and contrast um also the patreon they have to give you money first before they do it uh i'm sorry i've been distracted three times trying to get to the actual end of this chapter which is deku calms down uh he has a, a vision to one of the members of his uh, group, I forget which one, it's the one who gave him the black whip, Is the, that's just like, hey, look, it's okay to get mad, but what really matters is controlling your heart, and there's like this big kind of explosion of energy, and Deku seems to be okay, and you know, he, he apologizes to the million, the million's just like, hey, don't worry, save all of your worries until after we win this, and then Deku ends the chapter by asking all for one if Shigaraki is still in there and then behind him we see a collage of the various other uh one for all users so there you go yeah that ending note makes me think they're gonna try to redeem shigaraki which uh i don't know about that one jeez (laughs) i feel like i know that the series wants to end on like a happy note but like there's there's so many dead people you've killed so many people i don't think they're going to try to redeem shigaraki i think they're going to try to i guess save him and let him die by his own corruption like yeah they can't like just let him live like it it would be insane but I, i do think a big heavy emphasis on this seems to be like hey shigaraki is also a victim it's sort of like this weird like the villains are also the victims in all of this which sometimes is very true with superhero media. Um, I don't know if it necessarily attaches to Shigaraki when he's he's had like several years of just fucking murking people left and right. Yeah, I guess it's more like a Darth Vader thing where it's like you're dying, but like try to throw the Emperor in a hole on your way out. Which would make sense. Uh, Horikoshi is noted as loving Star Wars, so oh, yeah. uh, it would it would make sense if it's like a Darth Vader kind of moment. Yeah, was that the training arc on Dagobah Beach or whatever at the beginning? Uh, yeah, there's Star Wars references all throughout this series, like, and some minor ones, and I'm like, you're a little nerd for even 
getting this far, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably where it's going. Okay, yeah, it'll be fine. All right. So let's move on then to Undead Unlock number 128, Strict Defense. Uh, and we open with Fuko having to watch uh, her friends slowly get murdered by God uh, because uh, that's what she's seen. She's seen uh, Chikara uh, just have like the half of his body ripped straight off. Uh, and Luna is there saying like, yeah, this is footage from the outside. People like you like to observe, don't they? At least that's what Juez would always do. And this is a game to see whether the world, the lives, everything in which we create is capable of reaching us gods. And there's sort of like the miniature timer on the side of the screen counting down how much time has happened and not even a minute and a half has passed yet. Uh, so Luna explains that they bet on people and thus create the artifacts and then the sun bets on the rules winning, which gives birth to the UMAs. So it's sort of like a weird interjection that's going on, like a weird like exposition that is happening as Fuko just watches one of her friends potentially die. Yeah, the more a series gets like cosmic and uh, like conceptual, the higher the chances that the whole thing is orchestrated by people doing a bet. Yeah. Uh, to take it back to Lost, I mean, this is... Uh, <laughs> fucking what's his fucking his brother right uh jacob and the man in black but we all know his name is Esau. come on yeah it's all okay well describing each manga series we talk about as a lost character this is jacob and his his stupid bullshit (laughs) idiot plan to get people to fucking prove some kind of point to his stupid brother yes uh so we cut to the outside as you know Andy is is very upset, but Juez is like, hey, there's no time to grieve right now. God is going to be doing everything they possibly can to fend off our attacks, which is why we need unlock. So Andy's like, all right, I I got it. Chikara tries to apologize, like, hey, I'm going to try to stop a little bit longer. Juez is like, you did fine, kid. Don't worry about it. Thanks to you. Everything is ready. And like the Avengers, a bunch of portals open up. And a character who we know is a member of Under, who has never really been introduced to any degree, comes out carrying Bunny. (laughs) And we find out later this is Unburned, which a lot of people were suggesting could probably be the case. Uh, But this character has literally done nothing to this point. (laughs) Um, And then we see Sun try to start getting up. And Yusai is there, who uses Undraw, saying that foot is never drawn from the earth, basically keeping Sun completely immobilized, which is kind of, I guess, an inventive way of using the ability to say you can't draw anymore. Uh, I mean, you can stretch it to anything. You could say you can't draw breath, and then you just die. I mean, yeah, just but go whole hog with it. But they're a being of, of pure magma and, and, and whatnot, so I don't know if they need to breathe, you know? Do you ever think you about can't- that? You can't draw being alive. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> words are what you mean, what you think they mean. It's all negotiable. Exactly. Uh, Juez is is talking to Creed, who's basically explaining that there is this super special, awesome weapon that is basically like it gathers all of the electricity on Earth into a single concentrated shot. Juez transfers possession of it to Creed. He uses Undecreased to basically create a concentrated beam of this thing. We cut over. Shen is helping Andy get all the way up into the sky, basically. Andy's like, all right, let's make sure this blast puts both of us into smithereens. Uh, Big beam hits. We're down past nine minutes now at this point. 
Andy is just getting eviscerated from everything at this point. Uh, Bunny is doing something. It is very unclear what, but Unburn is there trying to help. Uh, Yasai is like, I shall not let you go. All this stuff is happening. There's this big cocoon that grasps around Sun, and we find out that is Unback, which I don't exactly understand the premise of what it means. <laughs> um, yeah, if I was in charge of this, the final boss would be Ferdinand de Sassur, the person who uh, kind of founded semiotics, which is like the study of language. Uh, because if you decouple the sign and the signified, language can mean whatever you want. You could say unback gives me the power to kill uh, all of you and I get a million dollars. That's what that means now. Yeah. Uh, suck it. <laughs> I like Austin coming in with these lore bits, these little these little real world lore tidbits. Uh, the reason it's confusing. Real world lore. <laughs> <laughs> you mean just facts? I'm like, nah, it's like lore little tidbits. Like in the loading mm-hmm. screen of life, Austin would just provide the little like helpful tips that, that run across the screen. Um, the reason it's confusing for me is because Bunny, we've seen only do one thing and it was steal stuff. So I'm not sure what this giant cocoon ultimately does. Uh, but they seem very satisfied. Like, oh, I hope, uh, I wonder if Whip Woo and Big Sissy will say I did a good job. And Unburn's like, you don't worry, you're freaking awesome. And then he looks, he's like, holy shit, my hand's burning. And Bunny is just combusting, just melting. You can see, like, the bubbles popping on them. And they're just like, holy shit, what's wrong? Uh, we find out Unburn's name is Enjin. Uh, and he's just like, hey, I can only negate burning and combustion. I can't do anything about heat. This, this dude's just fucking killing Bunny. It's crazy. It gets around be, not being able to draw its foot from the earth by just bringing the earth up with it, basically. Uh, and Andy's just like, hmm, I guess even that wasn't enough. So I guess I'll leave it to you. And we're down to eight minutes. There's a big, like, uh, eight minutes, 20 seconds. There's a big, like, shoo, sound effect. And Victor is now taking control of the body. It's now Victor and Juez who are going to go. And they're going to put it all on the line and use the sacred spirit treasures that have been teased so very long ago. Yeah, when the gun says it uses all of the electricity on Earth, do you think that's literal? Or just like trying to say how powerful it is? Because like electricity is what lets people have brain activity. Well, like uh, that, if you took all the electricity on Earth, every living thing would die. I think the implication is like all the electrical grids, not the biological sort of uh, sources of electricity that exists out there. Just like, hey, here's all of the world's electric grids, I guess, funnel into one location and we use that. I guess sucks to be in like an iron lung or something. Just I mean, millions of people still. In fairness, everyone is going to die at this point anyway, so. I guess it's kind of just like a who cares, like sucks to suck, but don't worry, we're not far behind you at this point. It's it's just wild. It's just like one of those things where it's like, oh, uh, you know, the moon, something happens to it and all the tides like in Dragon Ball, they blow up the moon at one point and it's like, oh, you know, half the people on the earth are now dead. Like even if they they put the moon back shortly after, it's like, you know how tides work, like Florida's <laughs> gone. Uh, sorry, Nick. Again. Uh, oh, just- no. Manga writers just loved going to ridiculous scales. And I can go for them. Absolutely. It's fun. It's wacky. Uh, this chapter embodies what it's like to try to explain D&D rules to somebody where you're like, 
yeah, all this happens. Technically, it was like 17 seconds. <laughs> like very like a lot happened. But every every turns like six seconds. Just just imagine like a shit ton of things happening. Just 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 do it. Yeah, I definitely thought of Stardust Crusaders when uh, Dio stops time and Jotaro is like, I have eight seconds or something. And then they have just like a 10 minute conversation. Oh, he's like, I yes, six it. seconds have passed. I love it. It's it's that. And then the, the uh, golden wind moment when uh, whatever Bruno, whatever his name gets punched. And like the explanation is like uh, fucking gold experience lets you live more like it adds more life energy to you and that's why he gets to have an entire fucking monologue in between like getting punched to the actual effect taking place it's great and it times. never comes up again golden experience never does that no. for the rest of the entire story <laughs> that that stand changes powers more than any other one it's like oh i can turn things into frogs <laughs> now it's just a wild uh part of jojo yeah, anyway it's great stuff uh that's when uh araki is at his best when he's just like i don't know i got like a very vague concept this stand can like move a thing into another thing and he's like all right fuck it i i, I that's vague enough this can do whatever i need it to for 30 chapters or whatever good stuff another person is just having fun with it and uh you can tell and that makes it more fun to read yeah uh all right let's move on to chainsaw man this is chapter 105, Red Hot. Now, Austin, if Chainsaw Man was a lost character, who would they be? Ooh, that's hard. I, I mean, I think probably Sawyer, uh, because he's a piece of shit who sucks, but also is like lovable and uh, you know beloved, which is kind of Gen- Genji's whole thing. They're just like dudes who suck, but uh, are beloved yeah. I mean, by the audience, at least, not in universe. <laughs> <laughs> So that's my, uh, I think that's my best answer there. I, I like that. It's a good answer. Um, before we start, how much experience do you have with Chainsaw Man? Is this the first bit of Chainsaw Man Part 2 you've seen? Uh, fit with my eyes, yes. I listen to Weekly Manga Recap every week. So I'm, oh. I'm up on Chainsaw Man, okay. but I haven't looked you're at down, it. You're down with the sickness, as they call it. <laughs> Ooh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you phonetically pronounce it out, that's how it is. Um, so we open with Asa, who's just walking back. And uh, the war devil is just like, what the fuck? That boy just told you he's chainsaw man. What? Like, let's go deal. Like, let's do something. And Asa's just like, she starts fucking quoting uh, 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 Smash Mouth. Just like, you're not the sharpest tool in the shed. Uh, and the war devil's just like, bitch, what <laughs> would you say? And Asa just explains, like, Chainsaw Man wouldn't out himself like that. He'd be in, like, a bunch of trouble if his identity got exposed. Besides, that guy said he's a Chainsaw Man. He's wearing a Chainsaw Man shirt. It'd be so stupid if he was Chainsaw Man, which is very funny. This entire conversation is very amusing to me because it is like, yeah, this is much of an idiot dingy as he just wants that adulation so much even as other characters are like, no, it'd be so fucking crazy for this dude to be Chainsaw Man. Uh, the war devil is just like, no, I'm not stupid. I'm not. And Asa's just like, all right, fine. I take it back. Don't worry about it. They're outside the school. School's laying out. They're like, all right, well, let's go get hunting at this point. And Asa's just like, can't do. I'm visiting Yuko today. And the war devil's like, what? If you're not going to do it, then I'll just kill you. Haven't you thought about how to find Chainsaw Man? And Asa's like, all right, well, wouldn't it be better if, like, we drew a devil to the school? He would show up then. War devil's like, mm, I see. That is a good plan. 
how do we draw a devil to the school? And it's like, hmm, why don't you think about that? <laughs> and the, the sight of the war devil just being like very like inquisitive, like, hmm, hmm. And I guess there's a note like of Asa thinking to herself, maybe I actually can tame her, which is weird because it was established the war devil can hear her thoughts. So <laughs> I like the idea the war devil's just so in thought at this point they don't even hear that this shit's going on. Do you think they're gonna end up being besties or is it gonna end in tragedy? It's gonna end in tragedy. Every every bit of this story is going to end in tragedy. I just accepted <laughs> okay. that at this point. I look from the moment we started this, I said with the exception of probably Chainsaw Man himself, every character we meet is very disposable in, in this series. So I, I, I haven't gotten attached to any of them at this point, although I do appreciate uh, them. That's that's the double edged sword, though, because you want there to be real stakes and real consequences. But if you'd feel like uh, it, it, everyone is basically doomed, that you can be like, well, why should I care then? And that sucks. I don't even know how to navigate that as a, a writer sometimes to to balance that i would say that i still because fujimoto i think is a very talented writer and he has a way of making his characters very likable using very simple techniques oftentimes at points it could feel a little bit manipulative i guess um but i guess because the characters feel so fun and usually there's like an interesting personality quirk to them that works i don't mind it but it is a case of like I don't know, since we've seen Yuko for the longest time, I've kind of just been like, well, I mean, how much longer can she possibly have? Like, I'm only going to enjoy this character so much because, like, you know, I know what's going to happen to this character eventually. Like, it's 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 Chainsaw Man. Shit ain't going to go well. <laughs> it's funny that you say he is manipulative specifically because I always think of manga as, like, an art form where someone's, like, eating a puppy and then when the hero, you know, defeats them, they're like, oh... I was sad when I was a child. <laughs> like, here, here's a flashback of me being bullied as I die. And you're it's like, oh, like, <laughs> poor little guy. I guess that puppy probably started it. In yeah. retrospect. <laughs> that puppy's the real bitch in all of us. Let's go back in time and kill that puppy. But then the puppy will get a sad flashback. So just like the trees were mean to me. Yeah, it's recursive. Every, every character who dies has a tragic flashback as they're dying. Yeah. And then it just goes on forever. Until, anyway, and, until eventually the final person is like an entity of evil themselves or something like that. And then their last words are like an existential positive, just like, what is evil? And then they disappear into a mist or something. Yeah. And it turns out that it was God and the devil and they had a bet about whether evil would be able to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And once <laughs> he always goes cosmic. And they're actually both aliens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Asa meets up with Yuko, who is living sort of like in this uh, tiny, like, she's just like hanging out in these lawn chairs and sort of like a tiny little like shed area, a little bit like run down. Although I think most of the city is kind of looking like this. Uh, but Yuko sees us and immediately starts going, Chainsaw Woman, Chainsaw Woman, you saved me from the devil. You're Chainsaw Woman. And Asa's is just like, whatever, here are your drinks. And Asa's just, or Yuko's just like, sweet, soft drinks. Gosh, I've done zilch, but sunbathe. The sunset's really glorious, Mir. Sit down with me, Asa. And they sit down and we just kind of get like a couple panels of them just vibing. And Asa's like, I don't know what to say in awkward silences like this. And Yuko's just like, well, if I didn't know any better, it's like, maybe you've never had friends, you know? And she's like, I haven't really either. Asa's just like, 
You're kidding, right? You seem like the type that would totally have friends. You're like, yeah, I mean, I talk to people in class, but you're the only person who's come to visit me. Like, are those people really friends? Oh, I know what. At this moment, you're supposed to share, like, your deepest, darkest, darkest secrets with each other. I read that in the book once. That's, you know, the secret to making yourselves best friends. And Asa stops. He's like, I thought about mine, but uh, I have too many secrets I can never share. Nasa's like, oh, come on, I want to know, spill. And she's like, well, there is one time thing I could tell you. This one time back in grade school, I was holding my pee, and I wound up peeing myself during class, and I lied, and I said it wasn't pee, it was sweat. And Yuko's just... I'm not going to challenge that. <laughs> that doesn't feel like a believable lie, but okay. <laughs> it feels so vague. Like, I feel like the real story would have a lot more details, but maybe if you're just, you know, if you've been hiding it for this long, you just, you're like, hey, just the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, uh, Yuko's just laughing. It's just like, ow, ow, my leg. I'm laughing so much. Uh, Asa's just like, yeah, it was super mortifying. I still scream underwater when I remember it. Uh, and Yuko just cannot stop laughing. She's just like, you cannot tell people that stuff. And Asa's just like, oh, bitch, wait, aren't we sharing our deepest, darkest secrets? And Yuko's like, all right, fine. I guess after that story, I have to share a big one. And then there's like a pause again. We just kind of get like a couple shots of the sunset. And Yuko's like, promise you won't tell a soul. Okay, I won't. I killed someone yesterday. Uh-huh. Who? My neighbor. Hmm? Why'd you do it? Oh, because he'd gamble at Pachinko even though he was on welfare for disability. And I was just like, what the hell? Yep. What the hell? And then there's just several panels of silence and a two-page spread as the realization is hitting. And then a guy walks by with his dog and he's like, oh, who's that, Yuko? Is that a friend of yours? Like, yep, this is my friend. He's like, oh, well, while you're young, you have all that fun. And like, we sure will. It's like, oh, that's old man Asada. He gives me pickles and snacks sometimes. And I was just like, hey, like, you were joking earlier, right? You could just like, nah, you want to see? The body's in my backyard. Want to see it? Nas just like, no. She's like, oh, this is great. We both shared our secrets. That means we're besties now. And don't worry, I won't tell a soul about your secrets. About peeing yourself, about how you killed the teacher and the class president, or about Yoru. Nas like, how do you... And your, uh, Yoku's just like, there's no secrets between besties, right? The thing is, I made a contract with the Justice Devil yesterday, and... It turns your sense of justice into power, so I can read minds now. It's perfect for me, since I don't understand people. And now there's no more secrets between us. Ah, I feel way better getting off my chest. Asa, of course, is like, hey, aren't unauthorized contracts illegal, though? Why'd you go make a contract with the devil? Yoku's like, it's okay when it's in the name of justice. I made the contract to save you, Asa. I'm going to get rid of your bullying problem. Don't go to school tomorrow. And that's where the chapter ends. I've already seen the don't go to school tomorrow being uh, turned into like a meme for different things. It's like, I'm going to take care of your blank problem. Don't go to school tomorrow, which is also, I feel like an existing meme. I, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but like uh, you were cool. Don't go to school tomorrow. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if they have the same thing in Japan. It's extremely uh, resonant to an American. 
Uh, and wow, what a way to end the chapter, huh? This is a wild chapter. I mean, very quickly, like, you've definitely grown to love Yuko. Uh, just her being very, you know, uh, personable, I guess, from her brief interactions. And, like, she got saved from being murdered. So you're like, oh, cool. Like, maybe we'll get a little bit more. And we did. We got a little bit more so that she can go off the deep end. Uh, and it, this is, like, such a deeply, like, uncomfortable chapter, I would say, in good ways. Uh, but it, it is definitely a chapter where you're like, oh, fuck, man. This is going to be this is going to be some very brutal thud couple chapters coming up i feel like uh some of the best visual storytelling i've seen in manga maybe ever with the mm -hmm. uh the panels of the conversation back and forth where it's like very small variations in body language and then going into the two-page spread of them just sitting there as the truth of what just happened kind of sinks in uh incredibly evocative powerful stuff yep fujimoto is is very good at his visual storytelling Probably the best at it in uh, in any kind of like Shonen Jump sort of setting. And there's a dog, so that's like double bonus points multiplier. Yeah, and an old man who I he likes pickles, which that's that's good. I hope nothing bad happens to him, Mister Zada. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna be the secret villain at the end or something. <laughs> no, I think they're gonna run into his dog again and pet it, and it's all gonna be good. Everything good's gonna happen. <laughs> Okay. okay, that would be nice. But then it turns out the dog is actually a serial killer. Oh, no. I love that dog. He's my best friend. But he friend. has a tragic backstory, so it's okay. <gasps> oh, now I'm on board. I love this character. I'm going to do an essay on him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't not to spoil it, but Chainsaw Man, you know, obviously the best chapter of the week. Come on. Real? Okay, interesting. <laughs> turns out Austin wasn't that horny for Dr. Vegapunk after all. Uh, but we'll get to that first. We got to talk about Eden Zero. This is chapter 209, Renewed Time. Now, Austin, uh, have you been following the exploits of Eden Zero recently? Uh, I mean, I listened to the show, so I know that Ziggy is the Shiki, and I know that there's moms in jars, you know. Yeah, I know. they've been collecting moms, all sort of stuff. Uh, we introduced a chapter. Uh, Cure is dead. Everyone's celebrating. Uh, Hermit's just like, no, we have the Union Army. And then Eraser shows up. He's like, don't worry. We're not here to erase you guys. Not today, anyway. He doesn't say erase you there, but I feel like at this point, this character should go full hog into that gimmick at this point. And uh, we're not at this point. So it's a little annoying. And he should do electronic racing. So yes. he talked about e-racing. Uh, the next like five pages are very strange because it is basically Hero having to write himself out of plot holes he himself has then introduced because they're like, wait, how did you know? He, like, Did you know that Cure was always this person? They're like, no, nah, we only just found out. We only ever meet via Zoom calls. So we never really like even though one of our members has the explicit power to know where anyone is at any time. We never like just thought to like check to make sure they weren't in the same place with bad guys ever uh yeah it's some real why don't the eagles take the ring to mordor shit yeah uh, there's the pa panel specifically where someone just says that makes no sense and i wanted to screen cap it because it's, it's you know you fucked up when you yeah. when you're having a character be like but that sucks this it's, is dog shit it's so <laughs> perfect yeah it's just like wait so you're saying no one ever knew that like it, it's crazy and they're just like eh, come on don't blame her like 
None of us figured it out. So we're all equally stupid. And it's like, cool. Everyone in this story is equally dumb for having not figured out that Kira was a bad guy all along, I guess. Um, and then there's such, such a goofy moment. Feather's just like, I, you know, it's all because of my negligence. I never took an interest in my friends. And Hermit's like, taking no interest. Are you really friends at that point? And I'm like, why did she describe her coworkers as friends? Like, I feel like describing a group of people you know as friends is a very explicit personal establishing relationship. Like, if I was, like, surrounded with my other coworkers, I would not be like, oh, yeah, my friends over there. Be like, my fucking coworkers, the people I only have an interest in. It. Like, it's such a weird phrasing thing of being like, I never paid attention to my friends. Like, none of you are friends. You just exist to kill bad guys to others. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not really like a you get together and have out mutual interests. I guess justice is a mutual interest. I mean, it's just a thing that the power of friendship has to come up at some point, or I don't think they can publish this legally. <laughs> the hero has it like in his contract. He's like, I have to mention friendship at least once a chapter or it won't work. It won't be. Yeah, you can't export it out of the country. I don't think it'll pass customs unless yeah. the word friendship is in there. Uh, basically, they're like, hey, we, you know, we'll deal with that later. Now we have to do something to act well. Yeah, those dragons are really a big problem. Uh, Holy is going to get back onto the ship. But they're like, hey, we got a big thing going on. Hamora just showed up with with a bunch of moms and tubes. <laughs> Captain Connor shows up and says, Oi, there be naked ladies, I see. Very strange. They're all dead. Almost all of them are dead, you weird dude. <laughs> it's a very... Specifically, he says bared naked ladies. And so immediately I was like, here it's brand new. One rake. <laughs> and it's, that was my afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Was it fun? Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. Good for you. Hamor is just like, hey, look, just take these women. And Hermit's like, hey, I already had this conversation. Like, I heard you guys talk, so don't worry about it. All right, cool. I'm going to head back then, basically. And Jin and Clean are like, hey, why is our mom in there? Laguna's like, why was my mom in there with her cool haircut? And then, like, Captain Connor gets, like, really stunned. And he's like, Rachel, why are you in there? By the way, this is one of the women he was like just ogling for being naked to begin with. So it is like a weird moment of being like, oh, get it out of here, you guys. That's my wife. How dare you? And they're like, no, you can't do that. That woman is 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 my uh, my my uh, wife. You can't give, bring her back here because Hermit or sister shows up in her fucking bondage gear still, which is just so utterly distracting from her just showing up in this scene. Um, and everyone's like, wait, if that's your wife, then, and Hermit's like, yes, Connor is Rebecca's father. Uh, they didn't include it, but we should flash cut back to like 20 chapters ago or whatever, when they were at a beach arc and Captain Connor was oogling his own daughter's butt. Cause that's a scene that absolutely happened. So it's super, super weird that this development happened. And there's been prison, prison, <laughs> prison. There's been such a mystery to Captain Connor that I'm like, Hero has always had to have planned something with this character. Even if him being Rebecca's father has just recently been a development in his mind, like he had to have known something like this was coming at some point. 
Yeah, I don't know. I feel like villain collecting t- mom tubes has like a really effective creepiness to it that you're like, oh, that's a villainous thing to do. Uh, like, I, I see where you're going. But the whole series horniness uh, and just like clashing at tones and shit, uh, it's hard to give it the benefit of the doubt. And the whole thing is just weirder than a, like if someone, uh, I don't know, more talented seems mean. <laughs> if someone else was writing it. <laughs> if someone who wasn't so invested in also putting sort of like fetish material in their work and like making like every chapter have like a dual purpose of being like, this is a story. Also, I could jerk off to it. So like <laughs> I'm getting a two for one with this deal, you know? Uh, that would probably work a little bit better. Yeah, as yeah. Uh, Kuf Kator also brought up, he also uh, got in a hot spring with his daughter uh, naked at one point. It was just like, ooh, co-ed baths. Uh, I know some uh, like statements have been like, oh, maybe Connor doesn't know Rebecca is his, his daughter. Uh, but but Hero does, the person who draws these scenes together. So he's the one who should be taking some responsibility not doing that, I feel like. Oh, his hand was forced. Yeah. He had to. <laughs> he had There's to. no choice. <laughs> That's Listen, uh, the reason that character is in bondage gear is because she likes it. It has nothing to do with the author. He has to mm. accurately portray her real preferences. Yeah. So she, she came to him in a vision after he took a lot of peyote and then wandered into the <laughs> desert. <laughs> He can't change this. This was a sign from the heavens. You know, this is not something he created. This was given to him by a higher purpose. It would be blasphemy to put any of these characters in normal clothes. Yeah. Or any clothes at all. Any clothes at all. It'd be insane. I mean, this girl is literally walking around in fucking thigh high boots and the bikini bottom right now. She's just she's just going at it. Uh, She basically just like, hey. We're going to deal with everything else later. Right now, I'm going to save this person. So you guys, sh- you know, get the ship up and running. Uh, we cut over to Rebecca, who's just like, you know, like everyone in here is a mother. and We're about to do this Operation Planet Eater. And Happy's just like, yeah, like it sucks, but like they're all dead and Ziggy's going to use them for evil. So like we should just give them back to the stars. And Rebecca's like, ah, oh, it's a nice way of putting it. But why is my mom the only one who isn't dead? And it's just like, I don't know. Like, maybe it's a cosmic thing. Like, I got to spend time with my mom. They got to spend time with their mom. Maybe this is the universe telling you that you have an opportunity to spend some time with your mom or whatever. Cut over to Ziggy yeah. versus Shiki. Oh, sorry. Did you have thoughts you wanted to give? I mean, just the whole mom thing. I, you don't want to psychoanalyze, you know, a writer too much <laughs> because you can write things you don't believe in. But it does. It it makes me question what this person's relationship with motherhood is. I don't know, you know, if there's anything there or if it's just off the dome. But it definitely it, it feels it feels strange that this person has uh, some specific thoughts about motherhood. I mean, bioessentialism aside, being like a mother isn't some kind of like special magical thing. It just means you got nutted in. It's not, <laughs> it's, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, it man. is not magic. You took a lot of the magic out of motherhood in that moment. <laughs> like, oh, I'm you just sorry. got nutted in. It's not special. It's not. In this not, universe, it is. If you're a mother, you have special ether gear. It's different. You, you. I can get nutted in. It doesn't make. <laughs> it doesn't make me special. It means you're a mom. You have special pussy <laughs> ether now. Nothing. It's simply nothing. I'm sorry. 
All right. And then there's a thing at the end. Yeah. We got over Shiki and Ziggy. Shiki's down for the count. Pino is, you know, intervened and is just like, Master Ziggy was hacking into me, collect information about us, but he left a data trail within him. And Ziggy's like, a data trail? I would never be so careless. And she's like, yes, you left me the key to defeating you. And Ziggy's just like, do you think that maybe Ziggy knew he was going to go crazy? Like, or sorry, Siki thinks like, do you think Ziggy knew he was going to be crazy? And Shiki's like, yeah, maybe he would do this. And Pina's like, EMP activate. And he's like, that won't work on me. And she's like, oh, no, this electromagnetic pulse is set to follow a certain algorithm at a specific frequency. That's the key you gave to defeating me. And she activates her overdrive, which is not a special thing anymore. Everyone in this series could do it. Pino overdrives. The design's kind of cute, I guess. She's like a little sprite angel. Good for that. Uh, and then... Shiki's like, Grandpa, put that inside Pino to stop himself. And she's like, yes, exactly. Master Ziggy still has his old personality inside of him. That personality unlocked my memories. And Ziggy's like, Rah! she's like, you must be kind, Master Ziggy. Do it. Go back to you were. And when all the smoke clears, Ziggy just says, good job, Pino. It worked. Ziggy, in quotes, is asleep for now. And this is our only chance. Kill me. Bum, 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 dramatic reverb. Yeah, I mean, if you have to do this trope, this is a pretty well-executed version of it. Like, the art, I feel like it has a good flow to it. I'm just not a big fan of, like, the going crazy or, like, the actual split personality, like, Hollywood version. Because it's not how any of this actually works. You don't have to, you know, portray reality exactly you can do your own fantasy thing i just think it's more interesting if like his current state was a result of different circumstances he came to naturally and the things he genuinely believed in instead of just having been turned evil and crazy and can be turned back like it's a switch instead of a person with goals and beliefs Mm -hmm. uh i think there's going to be like a certain level of we're going to find out at some point Ziggy traveled, found mother, something happened, saw something, heard something. That's what fucked with his mind. Because there's been so much stuff about how he was different after he returned, after they came back from the cosmos and he like reset everyone's memory. So at some point, there's going to be some kind of explanation to why. I don't know. We call it Ziggy. They're both now Ziggy. So like good Ziggy was like a a repressed personality. Um, But it's not like the worst detail. Like there's so much dumber stuff in hero stuff that I don't want (laughs) to like jam in on this. Like, again, there's a big reveal about Rebecca's dad. And you're like, ah, you've done some very questionable things with that character at this point. So, you know, this I'll be like, it wasn't that good, but it wasn't like offensively bad, which you can't say about most of hero's work. Yeah, there's no point uh, trying to trying to buff the cracks out of the car when it's missing the entire back axle. Yeah. It's just uh, it's just always people turning good or turning evil always rubs me the wrong way because like everyone thinks they're doing the right thing and they just there's material circumstances and then there's decisions and the consequences and that's how everyone lives. But if you can just turn evil or turn good. Uh, it's just, I don't know, it's a, it's a childish understanding of psychology. Now, Austin Yorsky uh, of Dice Funk fame, what would you say to the infamous uh, door in the Tomb of Horrors that if you walk through, you, t- you become the other alignment? 
I mean, I would say that's an example of the extreme Christian worldview of the creator <laughs> of Dungeons and Dragons, Gary Gygax, devout Christian. He believed uh, a lot of uh, very black and white things. He thinks that some people are made good, some people are made evil, and they should fight. Well, thankfully, uh, that's he didn't in the game. Thankfully, he didn't have any children. He spread those beliefs too. That's a good thing that uh-huh. didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Damn it. God. Oh no. It's yeah. That's a whole thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, so at this point, normally we talk about a bunch of other series, but as mentioned earlier, we're not going to be talking about as many series this week. So we're going to give you jump past a bunch of stuff. If you're curious about chapters like Akane Banashi, Aliens Area, stuff like that, we'll cover probably like two chapters or just try to like sum it up pretty quick uh, next time when we have Nick on. Uh, as for Ginka and Luna, uh, I opted to not let Austin be the deciding vote for that series because you did it once with Aliens Area and we're suffering through that already. So I decided uh, to say uh, you don't get that power anymore. Uh, Nick, is already, Nick is already getting hit by a hurricane. He's going through enough. <laughs> Poor Nick. I feel like it's been years since uh, he ever added anything like not reluctantly. It seems like he <laughs> is suffering so much. He's burdened by all this manga. And every time there's a new one, he's like, please, please, God, let me <laughs> let me live. Let me rest. <laughs> No, we just, added the Connie Banashi. We both love that, you know. That's um, uh, I had to true. talk him into PPP. Actually, no, I used the veto on PPPPP. Um, yeah, Mashal. We both like Mashal. That was like two years ago. Oh no, is it really? It's, it's we're it's, on we're on chapter 125. It's been longer than that. it's been probably like three years now. I guess it's just been a recent run of, uh, you know, the Duran 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 and the other one that was around the same time and then Aliens Area. And it just it feels like recently every new series just makes him despair. Yeah. You know, part of it's the bit, though, too, you know, or I don't know if you remember the stomping grounds we came from where uh, acting exasperated by media you don't like was like cultural quiche. Like you couldn't you couldn't <laughs> rise further than that. It was the height of comedy. Like, I have to watch this movie. <laughs> and then meanwhile, it's just like Airbud 2. And you're like, I don't know, man, it was fine. <laughs> This is this is dark knowledge. This is forbidden uh, fucking lore. <laughs> there was a time when the nothing was funnier than being upset you had to experience uh, something that cost fifty million dollars to make. It's good times. All right, let's talk about Mashal Magic and Muscles. This is Chapter One Twenty Five. Order Mattle and the opponent unseen. And uh, I would like to again stress. Uh, Austin has shown up on this episode, and as such, the there is no jokes. This episode of Mashal, it's 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 just raw, serious battle action the entire way through. And You're I, welcome. I even mentioned to you, I was like, you know, you don't understand. Like two chapters before it, it was like a whole chapter about a dude falling in love with a thing of pudding, and it was like dramatic and goofy. And that was also like sort of a serious chapter, but there was like a joke to it, and and there's not even in this one. So, uh, bunch of characters activate their thirds. We have uh, Famine activate his, and he turns invisible and slashes order, and it's like, oh, he's really good, and he does it again. There's a whole bunch of attacks, and order's just like. I can't even hear or sense him until the moment he attacks. How does this happen? And Famine just explains, like, yeah, my thirds erases my presence from my opponent's perception. You have no chance of escaping me. 
in the face of such power, and I shall grant you the freedom by releasing you from this life. And he sends a bunch of slashes that are just hitting order over and over again. Uh, Selvor, which is a character's real name, says, You can't dodge what you can't even perceive. This is the end for you, Four Eyes, which is like kind of like if you squint like a silly joke moment, like kind of a little bit. Don't awesome. patronize them. <laughs> Damn. Just accept that it's a cool stab chapter. Uh, we then get a flashback because, as Austin said, every bad character needs to get a story to be like, they weren't always so bad. Uh, <laughs> this is basically to explain why Order Mattel isn't just a bad guy. He actually had a friend who had, like, rope magic. And that guy was, like, much more of a stickler for the rules. And Order was kind of, like, lazy and didn't care. And the two of them became friends and, like, were partners or whatever. And he gave a lot of lessons to Order about what it means like why rules are important in the world because it's like hey like rules are what level the playing field that way everyone gets a fair shot people don't follow the rules and the world becomes a tangled mess and it's like a very superficial look at what rules do in like a society that has like laws but like I don't know. I feel like generally Kubota is pretty good about accepting that there are systematic issues so I'm not going to worry too much about it (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think this character was like wrong in text because of the consequences of what happens. And also you would have to be brain damaged to think that laws create equality. Like, yeah, it, it's it, it's a truly uh, libertarian ass th- thing to say. <laughs> uh, we get like a whole montage of them having fun together, fighting together, you know, being a little bit wacky. There's like a chapter where like orders glasses fall off and we see as like a little squinty eyes. And that's kind of a joke, Austin, huh? Isn't that a little bit funny? That's pretty funny. <laughs> it's more funny. Of you trying to find funny in it. <laughs> it's kind of, it's just like a little, uh, someone who keeps blowing themselves up with acne explosives. <laughs> and it's like, it's just, you don't have to do that. Yeah. Uh, so, we, we then get to just the crux of what this flashback is about to be is that this new friend dies. Something happens. Doesn't matter what. My favorite thing in fiction. Who cares? It, it just happened. Uh, and I don't mean that ironically. That's absolutely my favorite things in fiction. It's just like a thing happened. No one's going to explain it. But in 40 years, this was popular. So they're going to make a movie that has to explain why Master Splinter uh. knows Kung Fu is because he found a, a karate <laughs> book in the sewers. <laughs> god damn it uh and this dude's just like i guess i'm gonna die and he's like well you said you were gonna you know give your life for justice and he's like and i meant it i'm not gonna go back on your words and order was like but this is senseless you're harming yourself to you know adhere to this destructive way of life and he's just like you know my brother died as a victim of crime i love it so vague died as a victim of crime (laughs) and uh order's just you know he's just like hey i thought if i was you know, if I could spare even one person from going through that, you know, then some sacrifice on my part wouldn't be such a big deal. And he's like, ah, I guess I should actually save my breath. I liked hanging out with you. It was like seeing my brother again, even though you skipped patrol and all that sort of stuff. You really do care at the end. And hey, could you do something for me? Create a world where order matters. It's it's interesting because this character's name is Orter. And his brother was worth, and his whole deal was worthiness. It's like a wacky family where, like, they name themselves after a virtue that'll become cursed to be important in their life. Is that wacky to you? Yeah, it's a little wacky. 
Okay. Dude, I, I, mean, lo- I love it if, like, my life eventually just became, like, platonically driven down to just a core concept that my life gets revolved around. Like, I was just, like, farts. <laughs> I'm just, I just become farts. I'm just, like, I love farts. They're all so good. They're all so important to me. I mean, this is, we did something very similar in Dice Funk for a while where there was a bunch of characters who had like one ideal that gave them superpowers. So I can't talk shit about this, but it is funny that the, they're named after it before. Yeah, them. before it happened. That's the thing. So their parents named them this and then cosmically it became their entire life. It's pretty awesome. Order just says I still have a long ways to go. Activates his thirds and we just get like two full page spreads of this sand like covering the arena and then sort of like exploding and famine is like launched into the air he's like holy shit this attacked everywhere at once he's like oh fuck i'm being dragged in this is like an antlion's nest and famine i guess realizing they're fucked just starts fucking heckling them just like you lack the freedom so you take it from others no one's ever going to like you you're only harming yourself you can tell yourself it's for the sake of everyone else but you're just killing yourself for society do you even enjoy living and orders just like that matters little to me you asked whether i enjoy life or not to me the answer is inconsequential and famine just says i want that Order's like, I'm happy with a life with less freedom. So seemingly the fight is over. Uh, I'm not 100% sold on that being the fact, but it does seem to be that case. Yeah, and like I said earlier, I think in character you're supposed to disagree with this obviously uh, wrong uh, view of the world. Be like, order is so important, laws make everyone equal. It's you're happier with less freedom. This seems like you know, uh, Jokerified <laughs> nonsense. Yeah, uh, but I think because we we are we already established this character is directly in opposition with Mas, Ma, uh, Mash's goal of like. I believe that people shouldn't be exterminated for being different, essentially, and all that sort of stuff. I think this is, I guess, meant to give us... Because by the nature of them being the force opposing Innocent Zero, these characters have all become the protagonists, their own individual little fights. And even though Order has been an antagonist basically up until this point, or kind of like an anti-hero, I guess, they still needed to give, I guess, a sympathetic reason to explain why he's the way he is and that's what this is ultimately meant to accomplish uh but yeah i think you are as you said supposed to be like yeah this guy's still a doof i hope mash punches him really hard in the face at some point yeah he's gonna punch him so hard he's gonna believe freedom is good i guess is yeah. where this goes <laughs> uh which is uh comics for you i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> i love how surface level it is though it's very funny for someone to just be like rules are important i hate freedom and that makes me powerful oh no i'm getting punched i guess freedom was good <laughs> uh. <laughs> just like in uh. real life so uh. i guess in ter- terms of lost characters this is ben uh, or someone does a bunch of uh, incomprehensible, stupid shit, but then you learn in a flashback, it all makes sense because of a traumatic incident from their childhood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Uh, it's also a running theme in all Shonen, so, you know, good job, Mashal. Really, really, really stick into the hits, and I appreciate that. Uh, we only got one more, huh? Only one more. I mean, we can talk about anything else you want, but we're only going to recap one more. Uh, we'll save we'll save extra thoughts till the end. 
Let's knock. Right. Let's knock this shit out. Let's get. You know. Let's 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 wrap this up because we have the big chapter this week. This this is the one that trended on trended on Twitter, spoiled multiple times for so many people. And there's there's one distinct reason for that. Austin, can you guess what it is? It's because of the lady. Yeah, it's because people are horny and they just started drawing porn of her the second it happened. So. <laughs> Let's I talk. haven't seen any porn, but I have seen cosplay already, oh, which yeah. is impressive. Uh, let's talk. I don't about- even fo- I don't even follow like a bunch of manga people. It's like you and Nick are the only <laughs> like people in these circles I even keep tabs on. Yeah, so that's impressive. That cosplay still made its way to me. Yeah, I'm actually very impressed by that. I- I've I've been very fortunate to to not have any of this stuff. But I knew Vega Punk was going to be in this chapter. I didn't see any images of her though because i did see vega punk trend and i was like okay i guess they'll show up but the images didn't make it there i think because i'm so distinctly unhorny and that's why so the algorithm knows yeah they were like this this does nothing for her let's 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 back this up let's just send them more try guy fucking in the affair stories <laughs> yeah, you just want that sweet drama yeah that's all i want uh this is chapter 1061 of One Piece Future Island Egghead. And uh, we have Nazis on the third page, so I'm going to I'm gonna skip past that part. Uh, we open where we left off last time, which is uh, Luffy and everyone ran into Jewelry Bonnery. And Luffy and Chopper got kind of like knocked off the boat. So they're going up. They grab her. Uh, everyone's like, holy shit, what's going on? They're like, wait, there's a monster down there. The crew on the boat looked down and uh, like a scene from a horror movie, an enormous shark is rising up to eat the boat like fucking huge. It is that massive uh, and like it's sort sick. of like, yeah, it's like a full page page in like a fifth uh, spread. It's very cool. Uh, it snaps its teeth. Uh, the boat got out of the way somehow i don't know how frankie cartoon logic cartoon Cartoon physics yeah which is how one piece actively works now that it's been established uh everyone's like holy shit what is that that's way too big to be a shark is it made of metal what's going on uh jimbe's like hey luffy and chopper fell into the sea frankie take the helm i'm going after them bring the ship around after us you know, uh, Frankie activates a little thing on his boat that lets it like spin and 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 fly about. Uh, the shark opens its mouth and fires a missile at the ship, and like blows <laughs> it up and like tips the boat over. All sorts of bad stuffs happening. Jimbe rescues all of the people, uh, also grabbing Jewelry Bonnery, uh, and they're like, "Holy shit! This current is crazy! Like a rudder really can't do much in this." The shark is firing at them. He's like, fuck. All right, you guys, I have to dive back into the ocean. So, like, suck in as much air as you can. So all the characters, like, are all passed out. And they're just like, it's kind of funny scene. Like Mashal. Remember how funny Mashal was this week? (laughs) (laughs) I do remember. The thing is, I really love the shark. But also, I've said this before, the detail level in One Piece is exhausting. I feel like I have to lay down to read this. I have been like recapping and I've been like, oh, fuck, I probably missed a couple things in that in that one panel. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like just get through it. But yeah, there's so much yeah. going on. Uh, the shark feels like it's satisfied. It looks like it's going to go after the, the thousand sunny and everybody. It even like does its little cartoon like licks its lips moment. 
Uh, but then a, as robots do. Yes. Uh, but then a robot shows up, and I wasn't paying much as much attention at first. I was like, "Oh, cool! Frankie is like a submarine robot. That's fucking awesome!" I got so excited. Uh, but it's not this mysterious person in a robot suit punches the shark, the fucking explodes it, and then everybody else just looks like they're drowning, and we we fade to black. The series is over. Everyone's dead. No. <laughs> Instead, we go over to a nearby naval island where Captain Tashiki, whose only redeeming ability is being able to be a good caretaker to children because Oda doesn't have the best relationship with female characters, uh, is taking care of the giant children from Punk Hazard, which is an important thing. We're reestablishing Punk Hazard characters as we're about to get to a character who used to work, who Punk Hazard was named after. So look at that, Austin. Synergy. Uh, Wow. We're also introduced. This might be a character who's been introduced before. I certainly don't remember. Vice Admiral Dahl. Uh, you could draw a lot of fan art about this lady, too. I feel like, you know, if you like your, <laughs> your rocker chicks, you can go for it. Uh, she says, hey, I'm getting real sick of that Halempo kid. Can't you do something about him? And Chiki's just like, yeah, I mean, I can't blame him. His best friend's safety is in question. So and we cut over. Halempo is just sobbing, basically. Um, they're noted as being part of Sword. I can't remember who Sword is in the context of One Piece. There's like seven thousand fucking groups and things like that. There's also another character called Hibari. I don't know if I'm supposed to know her either. She might be from a movie. I have no idea. <laughs> so it's so funny that I don't know any One Piece fan bigger than you. You you know follow it every week for years and years, and then you're just like, yeah, there's large swaths of this shit I don't remember. <laughs> there's there's a lot of details that have been mentioned offhand, particularly like in the past like eight or so years, because like One Piece has just existed for so long and gotten so much more dense. So I just don't remember these details. And like Oda has had a tendency where like characters from movies have started to kind of become like they exist now within the can. Like it used to be back in the day. They'd be like, I don't know. This dude's like a fucking candy man. And he covered the world in candy until the until the hero stopped him because it was just like, who gives a shit, man? Like I can do whatever. This has no consequences. But now as characters actually connect to the movie world or like extra material or like a cover page story that happened that I forgot. There's just a lot of ways for characters to actually exist in the story and be like, I don't know, generic lady girl who maybe did something at some point. I don't remember her. Hibari, she's there or she's new. I don't know. Bring it back to Lost. They need a part where they just start killing off half the cast with like flaming arrows or dynamite <laughs> mid-sentence. Alana, I believe, is the character who they changed their mind and giving her an arc. So they blew her up mid-sentence and never mentioned her again. They got to do that to get the, this cast down to a manageable level. I like that. I think that should happen at some point, but only for the ones I don't like. So get rid of Hibari. Keep Alumpo. You know, you got to you got to enjoy that. That dope to heroic character. He, he doesn't look heroic here. He's just sobbing. Uh, but like emotions are an important thing for a character to have. So I think that's good. You know, establish that. Um, basically, these people are just like they're begging this captain to do something. This rear admiral, Prince Gruss, who is also a part of Soar. Uh, and they're just like, yeah, you know, I know you want to go to Pirate Island, but that's Blackbeard's hideout. And that place is full of so many. It's called Pirate Island. We're not going there. They established the place is full of so many pirates that every surface is po is pockmarked from the constant shootouts. That's why they call it Full of Lead, which is such a great name. 
for a pirate stronghold. It is, <laughs> it's perfect. It's wonderful. I always feel jealous of uh, Oda's ability to just casually name things fucking awesome names. Yeah, every generation gets like one guy who's sick at naming things. Uh, George R. R. Martin was like the last one, and then Tolkien is the other one that comes to mind. Uh, naming shit is so hard. I don't have that skill. Uh, most writers I know don't have that skill. Uh, so o- Oda is in a very uh, prestigious club. This <laughs> is the person who just makes rockin' names. It's so fucking cool. Uh, they're just like, oh, but we're so close to Egghead. We could take the Seraphim. And uh, Prince Gus is just like, have you lost your mind? Take a step back and recess. We don't even have contact with Drake at this point. There's nothing you can do. Get it through your heads. We cut over, and if you first see this page, of course, you're going to be like, there's a naked lady on it, and that's, that is a thing that happens. Uh, <laughs> it's also sort of amusing and also kind of sad that that character is Jewelry Bonnerly, who has opened up, that says, uh, hey, why don't you remember me? We're both parts of the worst generation. We've been, like, our names have been established the whole time. I was in Shabbati, like, two years ago, and Luffy's like, I don't remember you. <laughs> Uh, which is very funny, but also kind of sad as the only female member of that group of characters. Uh, Julia Bonnery, who's taking her top off at this point, just says, I'm Bonnery. Uh, Boney, sorry. I always remember her like bad romanticized name from Scanlations back when I was the whole thing. Just says, just to be clear, we're enemies, but thanks for saving me. And uh, everyone's just drying off. There's a shot of Jimbei where he doesn't have his shirt on and he doesn't have his, like, Sun Pirates tattoo. And I'm like, did he remove it? Because that was, like, a pretty important thing to your character backstory if you were just like, eh, I don't need it anymore. I think I just didn't want to draw it at that angle, uh, which makes sense. But, yeah. Um, Bonnie asks, like, hey, what's up with your bounty poster with your hair being all white? And Luffy says, that's what I look like when I'm free. And he starts kind of posing in his Gear 5 form. And she's like, what does that mean? And what happened to your crew? He's like, meh, they'll be fine. <laughs> uh, Jimbei's like, hey, what happened to your ship and your crew? And she's like, I came here alone. That metal monster ate my ship. Speaking of which, I'm hungry. And everyone's like, yeah, I'm really hungry too. Let's go to the nearest island and get some food. And Bonnie's like, you ignorant sluts. There's no restaurants on this island. It's a government <laughs> island. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. It really hit me. <laughs> uh, it's called Egghead, a place 500 years in the future, they say, that island that stores Dr. Vegapunt's laboratory. And Luffy's like, Vega, or probably Chopper, actually. Maybe it is Luffy. Who knows? Just says, Vegapunk, hey, I know that name. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Now, Austin, uh, to give you the context, Dr. Vegapunk is a character who has been mentioned in One Piece lore for a very 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 long time uh longer than weekly manga recap has been running uh i believe the character was first mentioned at least the first time i can remember was back in like enos lobby um but it might even be longer than that we have never met this character we have just heard them referenced a ton of times we've met multiple characters who worked with them um all sorts of stuff going on this is finally uh what's going on with uh beating that character for the first time so this is this is a big build-up as one piece is finally supposedly coming to its conclusion we're finally going to meet dr vegapunk uh 
which is where we're so excited for everyone. This is uh, the payoff of, uh, oh, it's a book of g- g- girls. <laughs> is that really what everyone was waiting? <laughs> uh, let's cut over. Um, we we see the giant robot that we saw before grabbing the 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 thousand sunny and lifting it out of the water and uh we we of course see how characters react which is to say that frankie and usopp are like this is so cool it's a giant robot and everyone else reacts like a person uh and they're just like oh what's going on and a voice is like hmm, another failure why isn't it possible to control the urge of living creatures and someone emerges from it who just says well drat the only things i ordered around here the or uh Frankie just says, like, hey, I don't know who you are, but thanks for saving us. And that person says, like, hey, the only things I ordered the Mecha Shark to do were recon, uh, report, and bombard. I don't want to eat anything because no valuables are left behind. An error in the programming, I suppose. Now, just a moment, you filthy pirates. Who said anything about saving you? I'm just the humble genius scientist hired by the government. You can call me Dr. Vegapunk. And we get the full reveal of dr vegapunk who is a woman who is also extremely curvaceous whoa but they also have a zero two on them what does that mean this character has been rumored to be over 100 years old so maybe everything's not as it seems clone body this is the second they keep uh putting their brain in a new body if i was a super genius i would keep cloning myself until like progressively hotter and hotter like just stacked bodies like that's all i would do all with all my time okay not to reveal too much about myself is this stacked to you (laughs) is this person super curvaceous this looks like almost every woman in one piece yeah well that's that's what i mean that's yeah that's what they mean Okay, it's not particularly notable. I I feel no. like reading this chapter for me, I was like, I, I'm more of a vice admiral doll kind of guy. I oh. was like, that's where it's at. And then we got to Vegapunk, and I was like, ooh, look, a scientist. I just I not that did not uh, activate the horny meter, the hornometer for me at all. So Austin, if you were to introduce a new character and dice fuck the characters come into a character, you wouldn't just be like, this lady got bits of popping. <laughs> <laughs> you you run into a character that your your party has been hunting down the entire the entire time, and, and she's just rocking. She's got a she's tight. She's real tight. I don't think I've ever done the. Uh, you thought it was a guy because it was a doctor. Like that's like that's like an old joke from the fifties. It's like uh, how is it possible for a uh, a doc doctor to operate on their child if the father is dead? And it's like the twist is like it's a mother because like a oh, oh girl doctor. How could that what? be what? Uh, so it's it's a very it's a pretty low hanging fruit. Someone's gonna point out the time I did it. I'm gonna be owned. <laughs> But oh yeah, I don't. I don't recall ever doing that particular twist. You, uh, and you, I especially, could you introduce a new character in Dice Fuck and describe him as like you see them and you immediately start going into like a Tex Avery cartoon wolf moment where you're just like, <laughs> oh, really? like all your tongues roll out like they're red carpets and your eyes shoot out like giant arts. <laughs> I feel like every time we've ever done a character who had a notable attractiveness as like a quality, it has been a, a man. I feel like uh, with Drop in season two and uh, Co- uh, fuck Corton in season seven, they were described as like really ripped and sexy. But I don't think we've ever done it with a woman. Our audience, uh, it just assumes all women are attractive. <laughs> all women are queens. And so you don't really have to point it out. I, I'll just be like, yeah, uh, this is right. a... Uh, a giant monstrous woman with like tentacles and fangs and uh, you know t- terrible wings or whatever, and everyone would be like, "Ooga!" <laughs> 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 
gonna, I'm gonna have to actually. I'm gonna make sure it. my next character character I describe is like she's like Lady Demonstrator or whatever from the Resident Evil games, just like vampire mommy, tall and just fucking just stacked from head to toe, just wild, just just like cosmically mean <laughs> with how much fucking chest they have. Yeah, um, <laughs> it gets there no matter what you say to my audience. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that's the chapter. Yeah. So, I mean, I haven't been hotly anticipating the introduction of Dr. Vegapunk, so this was not a huge moment for me, but how did it hit you? Uh, I mean, there is, like, the weird moment of just, like, because you, you have been led to believe this is a character who's been around for a very long time, so you definitely were thinking someone older. So when it's like, hey, this looks like a 20-year-old Nami-esque One Piece woman, you're like, whoa, whoa, what? Which, like, I guess is a subversion until we find out probably more details about how Vegapunk exists. Uh, but I do kind of find the the personality kind of fun and just like, just wait a minute, you filthy pirates who said anything about saving you. Like, just with, like the big smile is kind of like a little amusing to me. Uh, but I think ultimately, I'm just very grateful to finally be wrapping up loose hens in one piece as opposed to continuously adding to them over and over and over again like this has definitely been one of the longest standing like when are we gonna get to vegapunk kind of things so you know it's cool that we're there also with the goggles i can't help but think of luca from chrono trigger the lady scientist who's like one of the main characters of that game this is important detail would this character just be so much better with the goggles on all the time that's like a cool design yeah, I think it is. Um, but who, who am I to say? I think that if it's revealed uh, soon that this is actually like a crusty old person who's like in the body of a hot person, like driving them like a Gundam, uh, everyone will have to reevaluate how horny they are. While I will have been proven right for being horny for Vice Admiral <laughs> all the whole time. Oh, I who... thought you were going to say you were like, I was always horny for the old man on the inside. <laughs> That would have been funnier. I should have said that instead of the truth. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm going to go back to those two panels in which you can see Vice Admiral Dahl and, and really just read into them. With the only images of her in One Piece history, no personality traits yet. And I'm just like, but look at the collar. <laughs> she got that spiky, spiky collar. That think eyeliner. Yeah. <laughs> just think about it. <laughs> it's obvious. It's... A man of taste would know. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right well that's so. that's that's all the series that we have that we're going to talk about this week so i'd say let's let's do our 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 favorite series uh and everything like that and then we could just do like like casual like let's just talk about stuff because the audience always loves hearing just just you talk austin oh well thank you audience for that i talk a lot so if you didn't enjoy it it would be a problem for both of us um, as I alluded to earlier, Chainsaw Man, chapter of the week, uh, the art is phenomenal. It conveys so much so simply. Uh, it has a great kind of reveal. Uh, I don't know. I don't have any criticism. I think it's just about as perfect as a person could uh, try to do this uh, this bit here. So it just knocked it out of the park 100% for me. Yeah, I think I have to agree. Chainsaw Man's definitely a chapter of the week. Oh, the audience okay. agreed too, by the way. Now, we don't know what Nick picked. But I'll get to that at the end. 
Uh, character of the week, uh, I want to say you go say doll. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I mean, that's where I was going. I was like, I feel like uh, there's going to be a chapter later when we see her whole body, which she will be chapter or character of the week <laughs> instead of just <laughs> shoulders up. Uh, so I don't want to blow my load yet. As it was, <laughs> Austin's, Austin's pick this week is just a wooga rocker lady. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's it's a little obvious, but I think it's Yuko from Chainsaw Man. Okay, that's a, that's a good option. The audience, by the way, picked uh, Ayame from Blue Box, but I, I do see Brawla said Yuko, so you're you're in good company there. Um, I guess I will say Vegapunk, not to be horny. Uh, I think there's just such a relief in seeing this character finally show up, like of all the events that could have happened in my life, like there's so many where I just never live to actually see the day in which fucking Dr. Vegapunk finally shows up in one piece. And I guess there's just a relief on my end that I, I, I got to that point. Uh, so I'm going to say Dr. Vegapunk. It's just cool to finally see that character. Is Are there any other characters who have similarly been alluded to that everyone is waiting with bated breath for them to show up? Is there like a big one? Uh, I think this is pretty much the biggest one. There's a lot of like minor characters who like we know of, but not a lot of details. There's Emu, who's like the, the, the villain behind everything. They were the one who like wiped out an island last week. That's a pretty yeah. big one. There's the Rocks Pirates backstory, which I think we're going to get at some point. Uh, and then Elbath has been teased since back in Little Garden, which is like in the first like six years of one piece or so a really long time ago but that's that hasn't had exactly the same kind of like constant like this is a thing that will eventually happen as like vega punk has like i'm trying to think punk hazard was named after it when frankie got teleported i think he ended up at an old vega punk lab i think vega punk has been the reason why uh, marines can now travel across the grand line very easily i feel like he also is the reason why devil fruits can now be eaten caesar clown was an apprentice of dr vega punk uh, i think judge was a reason of dr Ve- or uh, uh assistant for dr vega punk uh queen was an assistant for dr vega like there's just been so many constant like references to vega punk that it's like this final satisfaction of like all right i lived long enough to find like finally see this character now the question is, what are the twists going to be when you finally see those other uh, few mystery characters? Because they've already d- done "It's a good, good, good girl." So now it's got to be like "It's a s- 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 squirrel," so like <laughs> behind uh, it the whole time. I feel like, uh, like we're gonna get to when we get the reveal for like rocks. It's gonna be like it was also a good, good, good girl. Like I feel like that's such the easy <laughs> twist. <laughs> that would be so funny if that's every chapter of One Piece until the end. <laughs> it's just the reveal of uh just women existing yeah just like hot ladies that existed in the general vicinity around one piece characters <laughs> can you imagine it a lady uh i don't know man i'm big a downer i'm sure this was exciting i just <laughs> to me that was just like oh it's luca from chrono trigger that's cool uh she so not, you, man, i feel not me Again, I, I feel like if I went into our Discord's uh, rule, our uh, uh, not safe for work channel, I'd find plenty of Doctor Vega Punk arc. I don't, I don't go there. That that channel was muted for me because what reason would I have to be in there? Every so often, like a horny image passes my mind, and I'm like, perhaps those heathens will enjoy this, and I pop in just to post that <laughs> link and then leave. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, people approach art in different ways. I've definitely noticed a lot of people who are like, oh, I, I want to get into this new series because it has a hot character I saw or something. That's just never really been me. 
Um, well, I saw someone arguing earlier about like Western cartoons versus anime, and they were like, "Oh, but look, this is what Western cartoons look like," and they posted like pictures of like Family Guy and The Simpsons and stuff, and like the implication was like, "You can't jack off to these characters, so it sucks." <laughs> and it's like, if that's you, I mean, I hope you're happy. <laughs> it just won't. It'll never be me. I mean, it is worth noting that like I remember back in the days, like this is like the early two thousands, maybe even earlier than that, like talking to my friend and like how like if there was animation on a porn site it was always like goku fucks lois griffin or like 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 fred flintstone's wife is like on a gangbang and you're like what a weird thing to be horny about (laughs) these characters like that had no definition to them that just kind of were women that existed Yeah, I mean the human mind is a mystery, but yeah, I think I don't judge. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. If this is your thing, I'm proud of you for that. I hope you enjoy it. It's just always been a little comical. Like that's where it all started. And a lot of it's just like familiarity. If you like watch a show enough, you gather a fondness for it. And I think on some chemical level, the brain sometimes confuses like fondness for lust. Mm-hmm. That happens. People are just like, I'm gonna bang my friend. Oops, shouldn't have done that. That really messed everything up. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I also get frustrated. Like I'm putting out art and uh, you know, people will be like, there's no character here who I want to ship or something. And it's like, that's, I wasn't trying to accomplish that. I don't know what <laughs> you took from my art that you thought that's what we were doing together here, but I'm sorry I failed you, I guess. Austin, you wouldn't describe your art as Jeremy Horny? I mean, we have a lot of horny people on the show <laughs> and they say horny things. But it's not a show about being horny. It's like a, it's a mostly a funny show about uh, living I, in a society. I would disagree about that. I've always described Dice Funk to people as like, what if TND was really horny? And, uh, and the DM, top tier pussy. Mwah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's true. I've never had it uh, ranked or awarded or anything. You have to go to like the uh, Kennel Society and get papers. <laughs> Uh, there's a whole checklist you have to go through to get it graded um but yeah i don't know the horniness just happens because the people on the show have a horny sense of humor although uh there's always been at least one person on the cast who's anti-horny usually you or sketch is just like i don't know what a a boner is eventually you have to have an ace character on the show to just be like god when are we gonna fight the dragon (laughs) and then mari's like oh yeah how many holes does it have (laughs) how many how many dragon ussies drussies can i slam my fist up yeah i guess i didn't mean for it to be horny but it does often go in that direction usually for comedy i don't think um, maybe this is stupid to say. I don't think we've ever <laughs> attempted to to elicit eroticism. I don't think that's ever we, been a we've, goal. We've never been titulating. I don't think so. I think people can uh, picture a character in their head and be like, "Oh yes, I I would love uh, to kiss that." Uh, but I have never said a sentence on the show with the intent of arousing anyone to to carnal desire. Uh, can next season we make just like the aggressively like uh like sex sell season like it's like all right your characters open up in in swimsuits eating a hamburger like <laughs> they're they're selling that that Hardy's commercial look. I forgot about that. Uh, How could you forget? I think about it like twice a day, and it always makes me, every time I have a Hardy's sandwich. I'm just like, remember when Paris Hilton was in a bikini on a car eating this? 
Uh, I feel like that's another chemical brain thing where it's like food good, titty good, food titty good. And it's like, please, <laughs> you have to recognize there are different kinds of good. I guess you're not hurting anyone. Um, when you say next season, do we want to talk about that at all here? I feel like this is like a bonus for if you're if you're yeah, into the whole this is like, family of products. Well, let me let me, I guess, just say uh, really quick before we wrap it up. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We usually do a little outro, but there'll be more podcast after this. So this is just like the thanking people part that Nick normally does that I don't have memorized. So I'm just going to be rolling off the top of my head here. So big thanks uh, for our opening intro to uh, Wensleydale Cheddar and Milo Jack Stillitz. Uh, a big thank you to Steve Man, our title cards. Uh, there's a cool new Get Backers title card that you guys will all get to see next week. A big thank you to Ninja X3i, who puts together the Google Doc that we read from and keeps all of our information gathered and together in a, an extremely convenient place. That's extremely awesome. There's a Discord that I've re- mentioned a couple times on this show where there's even that Not Safe for Work channel. And you could be like all the other horny people in there. There's a couple emotes that are super popular in my channel. And I was like, I've never seen these ever. And they're all just like drool emojis and stuff like that. And then someone had to explain to me like, oh, sweet, innocent child Quinn. It's it's because the Not Safe for Work channel also counts. And I was like, oh, this makes sense now. Uh, but go check it out. It's a super fun thing. And then uh, Austin, describe your uh, stuff real quick for our audience. My stuff is Dice Funk, just those two little words, easy to Google. It's a actual play tabletop show. We play usually Dungeons and Dragons. There's some one shots in other systems, but uh, the system uh, matters less than the content, which is a, a diverse cast of very funny people telling different stories. Usually each season we have like a different question. It's like, uh, is, is political violence uh, uh, useful or uh, is there an ethical way to keep uh, people safe? an alternative to cops is like last season uh this season is about uh who owns land how and why it's about colonialism i I suppose but it's also about drinking piss (laughs) and it's about uh inventing uh the sequel to cocaine i was gonna say cocaine Um, too that was an entire episode (laughs) (laughs) yes we invent cocaine too it's very important and then we went on to invent pussy too the sequel to pussy uh so we're really making the world a better place and you can find out about that at dice funk my patreon patreon.com slash austin yorsky just my name once again everything's easy to google we're on every Every platform, Spotify, YouTube, Podbean. It's yeah. Are you on, you are you on, sti- are you on Stitcher? If if they if they have it there, then yes. Okay. I don't know. I feel I put it into like a thing, and it sends it to all the other things. There basically, you go. that's what it does. So yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, usually, there's a part every season where you'll cry because something sad will happen. But besides that, it's usually very funny. Uh, yeah. is the what we're going for. Now, why are you bringing up? dice funk right now as the previous segue austin we're on weekly manga recap yeah well that's very interesting <laughs> because uh you've been on the show a number of times you've played uh beloved characters like zoe and katarina everyone loves olivia and king badass uh a lot of good stuff but you are not on the current season no. and uh Every time you and I record something together, I say, when are you coming back? And you're like, oh, someday. I, I, yeah, I have to be vague and cagey because if I don't, I sound desperate. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, Austin, re- I have no meaning in my life without your D&D. 
but uh, you were a, a wildly popular player. You, the the buzz for you to return is very strong right now. I've already revealed what the premise for next season is. I think on a credits episode, or maybe it was on our Spelljammer review episode. I said we're going back to space next season. Um, and so uh, I don't know if you want to reveal anything about how you feel about space, but I guess now is the time where you could put those opinions out there. Yeah, well, I'm on that season. I'll be joining. Uh, I should say that. Uh, and I am doing research right now. I'm, I'm trying to be a better player for Austin. So you were like, this season's like Deep Space Nine inspired. So it's like, fine, I'll finally watch some Star Trek. And it's so nerdy. It's so boring and nerdy, Austin. <laughs> yeah, I never was into Star Trek. I, on a previous podcast, I did Word Funk with my friend Leon uh, for years. He's a huge Trekkie. He's seen, seen every series of Star Trek multiple times, and i just never seen it. Eventually, he broke me down until I watched the first season of like each main series. Uh, and I watched all the movies, too. So I have a good amount of Star Trek under my belt now. But um, he already announced Leon is coming back. Leon Thomas, Renegade mm. Cut is his YouTube channel. He's coming back probably just for this one season because he doesn't really care for D&D or fantasy, but he loves Star Trek. Mm. And we're going back to space. We're doing some Star Trek-esque stuff. Uh, so he'll he'll be there and you'll be there. And uh, we'll, we'll do some uh, good space adventures, uh, loosely based on Spelljammer as well, which is the Dungeons and Dragons space setting. Uh, it's alien time. What's your go-to when it comes to like a space setting for like a, like a media franchise? Oh, that, as, as, a... as a kid, my entire like context was Star Wars until like I finally branched off into other stuff. It's funny you say that because season five of Dice Funk was also space. I get the pattern, I guess, is we're gonna go to space every five seasons. Um, and that was heavily influenced by Mass Effect. I think Mass Effect 2, most specifically, my favorite of the series. And I have always said that universe has like the most potential for storytelling, which they have done nothing but squander for years. What are you talking about? There was a book that introduced why the, the cyber ninja dude from 3 was important. Austin, didn't you read it? Uh, it's it's so disappointing. So I've already done like my love letter to Mass Effect. Uh, I think this season, the current plan is, and this is the first time I've said this out loud, is that uh, we're going to do some Star Trek adventures and some Star Wars adventures. <gasps> so I can get lightsabers? Maybe. I, I can, The flavor is flexible. Can, can so. I reveal a secret to you, Austin? Uh, I would love that. When I was like 15... I was a part of a role-playing forum online where you could just do whatever, and I gave my character a keyblade and a lightsaber <laughs> and had them <laughs> run around, and I was very cool. It was the coolest I've ever been in my life. I mean, that's going to be a reality soon, right? Because uh, they haven't made a Kingdom Hearts since Disney acquired Star Wars, right? So now Darth Vader can kick Mickey in the balls? Theoretically. Now, they I think 3 was in development while that happened. And I thought I heard there was like some discussion about why they might not do that. There does seem to be a thing when it comes to King, when it comes to like um, Disney properties and video games where they try to keep all that stuff very separate. It's why like there's Marvel games and there's Star Wars games and then there's games with like Disney Pixar characters and they they don't tend to overlap a ton. But theoretically, yeah. I mean, Nomura seems less interested in the Disney stuff as the series goes oh, on. Oh, yeah. He really wants his, his own anime pretty boys to take center stage. What, what are you talking about? Big Hero 6 World was so important to the lore of Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> like, if you took it out, I don't even know if it'd be the same game. 
Jesus. I mean, I think also the teaser that was like at the end, did you like 100 percented it was like the world ends with you. Right. Which is not even Disney. Uh, or it's in well, that, Shibuya. That, that, that was that was also in um, that was in Dream Drop Distance is another square reference. The fact that like there used to be Final Fantasy characters in this game is like a wild thing because they don't really show up anymore. I don't even think Cloud was in three. Were there any Final Fantasy characters in three? Not that I can recall. I think there may have been like some random ass character, but like I don't remember really any of my uh, big. But um, I mean, at the end, it was fucking. If you underpresented three, you got the reveal of like fucking Verum Rex World or some shit like that, which is just an original. It's sort of like the remains of Final Fantasy versus thirteen, I think. That eventually became Kingdom Hearts three repurposed and made it to like an original world. It's very dumb. It was that was the moment I stopped playing Kingdom Hearts. I finished the game a hundred percent. It got that ending. I was so annoyed, and I just said, "You know what? No more." And I I haven't played a single Kingdom Hearts thing since then. I know some people want Nomura to stop. I just want to walk up to him and just say, "Are you okay?" <laughs> everything what's going on Is everything man? good with you <laughs> you want to just talk about it i'll listen i'll, I'll be quiet <laughs> i just want to hear um, did you play kingdom yeah. hearts 3 Were oh you? yeah wow wow i didn't know i didn't know if you're a big kingdom hearts fan i i've played them all i mean i have a lot of criticisms of uh almost every element of them but i'm also like a, a slop pig <laughs> who plays <laughs> bad jrpgs because of my brain sickness so what's, um i don't know i've, I've played them all What's what's the big game you're playing right now? Out of curiosity, because Austin's I always just, working on something. Yep, I try to always be reading a book, playing a game, and watching a series. I'm a I'm a tube that media flows through. I'm, Ooh, I'm just a big I, I, I want to hear what you're on with all three of those topics right now. Um, I'm just finished Ghost of Tsushima last night, the uh, PlayStation exclusive by Sucker Punch, open world uh, samurai game. It's pretty funny. The plot basically is they make the contextual stealth kill the fulcrum of the like narrative because like in every open world stealth game you walk up behind somebody and push the insta kill button and you instantly kill them but when the first time you do it you get a flashback to your uncle being like never insta stealth kill anyone <laughs> uh, and the whole the whole story is him getting madder and madder and madder at you as you keep insta stealth killing people he's like it's dishonorable um and so it's it's interesting they made a very very common mechanic the whole story um, and also it's it's about it's a semi-fictionalized version of the Mongol invasion of Tsushima, which is a relatively little talked about historical period, at least in the West, probably in Japan. It's talked about a lot yeah. more. Uh, so I did find it fascinating just to learn even a heavily fictionalized version. Uh, there's a there's a basically a big plot point where a storm destroys the Mongol fleet, which seems like a very convenient thing. It just happened. It's just true. Oh. <laughs> so, uh that that was interesting. That's that's the video game I'm playing. I'm I'm gonna play uh, the the new game by Supermassive. I believe they're called. They made a Until Dawn. Uh, their new game is called The Quarry. But I'm actually gonna play Little Hope, the one that was made before that. They make a whole um, bunch, don't they? Like they like weren't they also like Man of Medine and stuff like that? If I'm remembering yeah. my company. Yep, Man of Medan. It was the one about the the ghost ship. Uh, I guess you could say all of their games have like a twist that I guess would ruin it to say what the games are really about. But um, that those are kind of fun to play with friends. I know Joe wants to like sit with me and make decisions while I push oh. the button. Oh no, but you have to be so quick. There are quick time events. There was too much pressure for me. I, 
I started playing Until Dawn and I got so nervous. I was like, I'm going to look up a YouTube playthrough where somebody saves everybody. And that's how I consume the rest of the game. Because I was like, Aww. if someone dies, I, I'll lose it. That's very funny. I almost got the pl- first time I played through Until Dawn, I almost uh, 100% like got everyone safe. But near the end, uh, there was just this very stupid decision I make where you hear someone calling for help. Uh, and if you open the door to help them, it's just a monster and they kill you. <laughs> oh, no. It's so rude. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like their games. I think they're they're a little bit of a formulaic. There's always it's always like, here's one thing. Psych, it's actually something else. Uh, but that's that's fine. I, I want to see these teenagers uh, be assholes and die horribly. So that's, that's but you the save them all. That's your thing. You save everybody. Well, we'll see what Joe decides. If she oh, takes no. a dislike to someone, they are going in the fucking shredder. <laughs> I don't like this character. Have, have, have them investigate the dark hole where no one returns from. Yeah. Uh, as far as uh, TV series, we were watching House of the Dragon and Rings of Power every week. The Lord of the Rings and uh, Game of Thrones shows. Uh, it's funny. As soon as House of the Dragon goes live, we watch it immediately. It's very important. Uh, Rings of Power episodes take us like three or four days to watch in like 20 minute chunks because she just gets bored and is like, I am going to bed. <laughs> uh, so you could I think that's that review says it all. Not as a big wait. So Tolkien's work's not a top tier anymore. I mean, it's not Tolkien. Uh, they don't have the rights to any of the books. It's literally uh, filling in the gaps between uh, Silmarillion and, and Hobbit, I guess. It's called the Second Age is that that period of time. Uh, so it's all fan fiction, I guess. And, uh, you know, it's it's nice to look at, but it's, it's kind of just uh, I do, I kind of boring. I do kind of like it when media has that thing that exists where there's just a blank period where, like, fan fiction exists. Like, I know with the 40K mythos, there's, like, two factions that, like, have never been established in the Imperium of Man and the Chaos Marines. And they're just like, it's kind of like to fill in your own fucking fanfic version of it if you want. Like, they can still exist or whatever. It's a big, it's also like a red emergency button you can push if you're failing. You're like, okay, okay, well, please come back. We'll reveal the stuff. Yeah. It's cool, I promise. You'll get to see Dr. Vegapunk, and her tits are huge. <laughs> they're not even that, okay. <laughs> um, Speaking of 40K, yeah. those magic cards, huh? I think on a previous recording, we were like, oh, those face commanders are are, are pretty uh, mid. And they revealed the whole deck, and it's like, holy shit. It's, it's, it, there's some gross shit in there. Like, the, the only one I'm probably like the only one i'm 100 percent sure i'm gonna get is the necrons one uh because if i was going to play a 40k army i'm not it's too much money and time <laughs> uh but if i was going to the necrons are absolutely where it's at the space terminator robots are are are, are pretty awesome um and there's like one commander within it that's just like hi i'm an instant combo in your commander <laughs> fucking zone like just play me yeah. and you're like I- you would be hated off the table so much if you reveal that to be your commander. Like, there's just no way it's unreal. The character's name is The Infinite. I don't remember the actual name, but what his like title is The Infinite, and that's all he does is infinite combos. It's yeah. sick. Um, the aesthetics, though, are are, are bananas. Uh, 40K has always been something that where you look at and you go, that's so fucking cool. I'd love to get in. How much? <laughs> no, no, I'm good. Actually, I'm going to go do heroin. <laughs> um <laughs> But it's yeah, I, I don't plan on buying any of them, both because uh, they're expensive and because I really only play Azorius decks and none of them are Azorius colors. But if they ever make the Tau, 
who are, uh, I, I call them communist uh, cows, uh, although I've heard people get mad at that description because they're not actually that, but whatever. Uh, if they make those Azorius uh, faction, I'm going to snap that up. I'd love to I, if have this, a 40k. If deck. this is successful, I could I could see them doing it because um, there's the Azorius, or the, yeah, the Tau. They didn't do the Eldar, Eldari? Yeah, the, space the, the elves. elves. Basically, yeah, space elves. <laughs> The orcs um, with a K. Orcs. Well, yeah, they could do. They could definitely still do the orcs. I know they're going to do a secret layer because orc is an actual creature type in Magic. Uh, so I think they're saving something for that. But maybe they will just make a fool because they should. Orcs are the best. They're the best army in 40k. Uh, so truly, they should make that. Um, but I, I hope it's successful when they do do that because there are some really cool factions left still to explore. And I think there's another one. There's like another kind of big faction I didn't touch. Yeah, I don't. I only know 40k from the video games. I've played Space Marine and uh, a little bit of some of the other ones around the edges. So I, I know about orcs and chaos and stuff. But it's a, a very elves, surface level. Dark elves, yeah. but those ones are pretty. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's um, so yeah. That's, yeah. That's some stuff there. There's some problematic lore with the dark elves. <laughs> we ended up back in space, which is the the tease. I hope oh, Austin. Uh, when are we going to do a 40k season where everything's just grim, dark, and parody, but no one gets it? So they think we're actually supporting like uh, space Nazis and like uh, murder clowns. It's funny you say that because I keep trying to do like low pressure, chill vibe seasons, and they keep turning out grim, dark. <laughs> Grendel was like the most of that where I was like, this is Animal Crossing. It's all friendship all the time. And then Sophie's like, Lamau, I have a chainsaw. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it just got raw. But um, I, I feel like we always flirt with that. Even the current season, um, if you're not sold on it, it is kind of like bad people doing bad things in a uh, always sunny kind of style. Or as I've been thinking of it increasingly, uh, Ed, Ed and Eddie, where it's just like shitty schemers whose schemes keep blowing up in their face. Um, but like, that's also the point. I think that thing they are trying to accomplish is bad and they should not succeed <laughs> because it's, <laughs> it's bad. You don't want Ed, Ed and Eddie to take everyone's quarters and get all the job breakers. It, it was, <laughs> it was, it was brilliant when you first started listening to the season and you're like, yes, this is a brand new frontier where you guys can shape it and you're listening to it and you're like, the party's like a, a young budding capitalist and then like a woman who's self-obsessed with herself to a degree where she just wants the world to worship her and you're like, I feel like no one can like I feel like this is an awesome setup because half the party's like there to do this thing and then the other half's like, let's fuck it up, let's just be gremlins. It's awesome. Yeah, I I, I like it a lot. I understand it's not to everybody's taste. Uh, I've talked at length about the idea of quote unquote likable characters, whatever that means. Everyone has a different definition and different uh, tolerance. Uh, for me, I will watch bastards do bastard shit all day. <laughs> it's it's as entertaining to me if it's done well as good people saving the day with friendship. But uh, not everyone feels that way, and that's fine. Yeah, uh, and uh, uh, a good friend of mine, Little Dan, is now on that. I, I I don't remember if Little Dan has been on this podcast before, but if you've listened if you've listened to other me adjacent content over the years, uh, he's definitely been a part of it. So he's 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 on Dice Funk, and it's very cool. If you if Dan has been on the show and I don't remember him being so, he would have sounded way different because we uh, have really gone through the ringer trying to get the audio right. Uh, he was on a one shot once and I was like, dog, you sound like shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then we got his situation sorted out and he sounds so different. Joe was listening to this and was like, I thought Dan was going to be on. And I was like, yeah, he is. He's on the, what are you talking about? He's on the episode. He's, he's Throg. And she's like, that's Dan. He sounds so different. (laughs) Uh, It it helps too that I knew him when he was like a 16 year old child. So like, that's Mm -hmm. why I always call him little Dan is because there were two Dans in the friend group. And I was like, big Dan and little Dan. And, uh, I, in my mind, he's always little Dan, the eternally 16 uh, young get-a-getter who uh, we just bullied because it was fun. Yeah, I have that, I have that uh, going on in my life now. Someone uh, who's the little brother of my childhood friend uh, just had a baby with my sister. Um, and they're now in their you know mid-20s or whatever. But I just every once in a while, I'm like, what the fuck? How the f- that's, he's a, he's like eight. How did he have a baby? What's happening? <laughs> it just fucks me up because I every time you him see him, you start noogieing him as he's holding his child. <laughs> no, don't like put him down. Beard. I want him to know <laughs> he has a career. <laughs> he's just grown up, and it's just to me, he's like, yeah, I don't know if you're big enough to get on the roller coaster, buddy. Uh, so that that's stuff when that's you. when you wedgie them and <laughs> hang them off the side of the balcony and you're like good to see you <laughs> thanks for the pot pie <laughs> uh, yeah speaking of dan well, i guess we're going to wrap this up soon i want to say uh if you're listening to the current season a innovation i have done this season i'm, I'm blazing new trails and actual play podcasting uh, is we have two different parties in the campaign um, and that is going to be something uh, we're experimenting further in later seasons. Uh, the current plan, and don't hold me to this, plans can change. The current plan is for there to be two parties next season from the beginning, that to be oh. like a foundational thing. Uh, and for there to be specifically like an on ship party and an off ship party once again taking it back to star wars and star trek but if you think of like the bridge crew from star trek where it's like picard and uh uh uh, fucking the guy with the visor geordi and uh with them all they don't really get off the ship and do adventures right like they're they're commanding they're driving they're planning that's going to be like a lower level star trek party but then there's going to be a higher level party who is like fucking shit up who's like much more badass like in a you know star wars mode i would say so i think if if season five was mass effect season 10 is going to be star wars and star trek split between two parties can we call it star wars versus star trek (laughs) the seo on that would be insane (laughs) you should name every episode that like normally you come up with like a really inventive like uh naming convention for each season that like a one word catchy title that people can remember but this one's just called star wars versus star trek yeah and each week um, you name like the title you normally you take like a funny like phrase that came up in the episode this time you just you egg it in like uh, like episode one's just like last jedi was the best and episode two is just like last <laughs> Sunday i suck dick and then it's just like discovery rules you can't take it you just you just keep hitting the algorithm yeah we have to just fully commit to that just being like star trek versus star wars elsa spider-man <laughs> then try to get that there's actually Pink slime there's a podcast they used to listen to that had one of the uh, practical jokers on it as one of the members and like he was on it before he was ever on the show and it always just made me laugh because there was a period of time where one of the guys in the show's like we're just gonna start throwing your name in the episodes <laughs> even if you're not on it because only people only reason people ever listen to it anymore is if you're on it so there were just episodes where it'd be like hanging out at the beach also cues on and shit like that and it was always very funny to me i do like that idea 
Yeah, I should. I should be better at promoting the show. Honestly, it's not one of my better skills. Although I went to a concert last night. I saw the Mars Volta. They were very good, obviously. Uh, The opening act, though, was a band and an artist called Terry Genderbender. Uh, She was fucking incredible. Like, uh, I, Joe, Joe was like, we can leave now. We don't even have to see who we paid to come for. That was so good. And, but when we left, I checked on like Spotify to see her numbers and like this person who is highlight, you know, they're, 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 they're opening at the Philadelphia Met, right? That's like a big venue. It's like high profile. If you're into like hard rock music, uh, my podcast gets more listens than her music. Like it's it's insane how talented you can be and have no success. Um, and I feel like it sucks <laughs> that there there's like a whole other thing besides being good at your art that you have to do. I am not good at it either, but damn, it sucks sometimes seeing people who deserve way more success, uh, kind of just skating by, you know, just barely. Yeah. So it's wild. All right. Well, I think at this point we're gonna stop recording the podcast, and then me and Oscar just talk about more stuff. We need to talk about Unfendi. We need to talk about what book you're reading. Oh yeah, I'm gonna start the Three Body Problem. It's a Chinese science fiction novel about alien contact. I've just previously finished Chuck Palahniuk's Beautiful You, which fucking sucked. Holy oh, no. shit! He's not doing good stuff anymore. No, he's he's absolutely just become like a, a gross out. Like, can you believe I said that? Whoa, so edgy. Imagine if buttholes. And it's like, yeah, dog, I, I can imagine buttholes. It's not you're not that fucking out there anymore. Um, that but, dude uh, got just, like a New York Times or New, uh, yeah, New York Times story written about him because of fucking guts. And he was just like, that was the most publicity I ever got. I'm going to keep doing it. I don't know why he sounds like David Fincher, but he does. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing this every time. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why he sounds like that. Uh, a, f- a fellow Ukrainian, Chuck Palahniuk is. Uh, so, got got we got to support him in this tough time, even if bad, bad, bad novel. I'm sorry. Yeah, not good. Well, all right. Well, I keep pushing for Austin and I do a separate podcast at some point where we talk about stuff, and Austin keeps dodging me every time I bring it up. I'll be like, "Hey, dog, we you should say- do it." And just <laughs> we're like, doing it right now. I know, but we should do it. <laughs> Again is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So let us know if you it, want that. Push it out there. Patreon.com slash Austin Yorsky. Get the numbers up so I can pay Quinn and then we'll do it. <gasps> you don't have to pay me. I'll pay you to be on it. <laughs> can we both this conflict of interest? Because we... you already work for my girlfriend. <laughs> can we can we just pay each other and then <laughs> And then uh, act like I, I think I was mentioning this to Joe at one point. I was like, "There's a real problem with some of us, and that we keep supporting each other's Patreon. So we take the same five dollars, let Patreon take like thirty percent out of it, and then hand it to each other. Like, literally, it's yes, just this wild thing that we all do. I was like, "Why are you supporting me on Patreon? You're just giving the guy from Pomplamoose like a dollar every month, who <laughs> you could just hand it to me instead. What are you doing?" Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Economies are weird. Uh, but uh, thank you, Austin, for coming on the show. I deeply appreciate it. It was very enjoyable. Everyone loves having you on the show. Everyone's like, do this. Give me this. I want it now. It's been a pleasure. I love looking at the little Gokus and all their little adventures. They're always <laughs> running around getting into fights. Uh, and I guess before we head off here again, uh, all of our wishes to Nick, who I believe is is doing safe and well. 
uh austin tried to replace you but he never can even with his good bean face that i i have up here if you're looking at the video which is what i titled that image when i saved it good bean face i if it was if it wasn't going to be that i was going to go on tiktok to find that wheelies guy and just screenshot that and put it on there because it's essentially the same person I hope Nick rides into the show next time he's on on an alligator. Just doesn't doesn't acknowledge it. It's just sitting on an alligator on a little saddle the whole time. Just be like, yeah, hurricane went great. Yeah, <laughs> but in deep Nick voice. Obviously. Oh, he's like he's 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 got like uh, Mad Max fatigues on and shit like that. But he doesn't address no. it ever. That's just how it be in that state sometimes. That's just how it be. Goodbye, everybody.